Hey everyone, how you doing? I'm Mark Jorgensen, host of the uh, MarkCast podcast. Um, I know it's been a while since I did my last show. I uh, hope you're doing well. Um, I've been doing my show a little more periodically recently, and uh, it's more based on people that reach out to me that asked uh, for to be interviewed. So for this show, actually, uh, when I was down in South America during the month of November, uh, an old uh, roommate of mine from New York City, I lived in New York City for a brief time, about 10 years ago, uh, Dan Whitmore, he reached out to me. We were roommates in uh, New York for a little while. And uh, he said he wanted to do a podcast. So uh, Dan recently moved to Los Angeles. Uh, he quit his job, moved to LA, and he's been uh, trying to break into the music industry. Uh, so on that note, we actually talk about it in the show, but they're playing their first show tomorrow, uh, January 19th, uh, Friday, January 19th, uh, at the Rainbow Bar and Grill. So it, I looked it up online. Um, Rainbow Bar and Grill is actually this really kind of famous uh, hangout of a lot of really big and famous, you know, metal and different rock bands over the years. So Guns N' Roses, Led Zeppelin, Kiss, Red Hot Chili Peppers. I mean, all kinds of different groups uh, have hung out at this place. Um, so it's a really cool venue to be playing at. And so uh, if you're in Los Angeles, you should definitely go check it out. Uh, I, I would definitely go. I, I live in Washington, D.C., so I'm not able to... <laughs> make it but it sounded like it'd be a really great show his band is called dominion and they're gonna be playing their first show tomorrow so definitely try to check that out um we talk about so much in this interview uh so we talk about dan he worked at vh1 uh, so we talk a lot about music um we talk about uh he went on 300 tinder dates uh when he lived in wisconsin so we talk about that a little later in the interview uh we also talk about uh hair and uh, I guess he recently grew out his hair longer than, than he had it before. And so um, kind of some of uh, the ideas and the reasons why he's doing that. So we talk about hair. We talk about uh, just adjusting to different places. We talk about so many things. And so um, I really hope you enjoy this uh, interview. Yeah, dude, you sound like professional. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Um, I'm doing pretty well, man. Uh, what's not professional is my uh, punctuality. It's all right, man. You're a you're kind of like a rock star now, aren't you? Well, you know, I guess you could say maybe I'm trying. I uh, I'm actually sitting right now in a recording studio at the Musicians Institute in Los Angeles, where many young men and women come to essentially get degrees or associate degrees or certificates guitar bass drums uh etc and i'm here taking contemplating i have not yet confirmed or decided yet i have about a week to make a decision but i'm taking a couple of drum performance classes okay um trying to juggle that with a couple different jobs so these days i'm very busy i'm still i still feel a little lost in terms of my direction in life <laughs> at 35 years old so i'm still uh <laughs> still pursuing a few different uh avenues right now i guess you could say trying to figure it all out you know i think when i met you it was uh about 10 years ago when we both lived in or I lived in New York for a little while I guess you stayed in New York for quite a while right I did yeah I uh I was there for five and a half years 
Yeah, and I remember that summer though that we were like, I guess, briefly roommates, um, talking to you, and you you had this internship, I think, at VH1, and you were, and I was, you were kind of talking about your plans or what to do, and you're just like, oh, I don't know, I don't know what I want to do. I'm just gonna keep doing this, and you know, see whatever comes next, whatever. And just like, you just fast forward ten years later. I'm still in the same exact spot. <laughs> yeah, same, same, almost the same thing. Just you know, different, different topics, whatever. Exactly, it's terrible. Let's start with that. So, um, you, um, okay, you, you grew up in Hong Kong or something, right? I, I can't. I, I don't know if I know the whole story, but you lived in. Hong- yeah, sure. Um, I didn't grow up in Hong Kong. I lived there uh, for two years during high school. Uh, prior to that, I was living in Tokyo. It was essentially my dad's job that took my family around the world. Um, I grew up mostly on the East Coast, Vermont, Boston, North Carolina, Connecticut, and we moved overseas. And I spent my entire high school career overseas going to international schools. All right. Awesome. That was a good summary. And like, uh, so I can... So you're very much into like, um, you got into like American music and all that kind of stuff. Did you feel kind of like you were tapped into like you know, the different waves of popular, you know, music. And then we grew up, I think we're about the same. I'm 35 too. So we're about the same age. So yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a lot of like alternative rock was kind of the big thing for a while. Then I kind oh, of got yeah, more into like yeah. rap and R&B and stuff. I mean, were, were you keeping in touch with those things as the years kind of different countries? Yeah, you know, I, uh, I always had an interest in music. And I think part of the reason I have such a passion for music is because I kind of feel like it was my only friend for a long time growing up, you know, and having to move every couple of years, I had a tough time making new friends. And so during those times where I felt maybe a little depressed and alone, I would turn to music. And so I feel like I always kind of knew, you know, what the popular music was at any given point, maybe starting in like sixth or seventh grade. The person I first fell in love with was MJ, the king of pop. And then, you know, I got into, I was living in Charlotte, and I really got into hip-hop and rap, nice. um, probably starting with, like, Criss Cross, uh, funny enough. Like, I don't know if you remember the, the oh, two yeah. little kids that yeah. wore their clothes backwards. The, the backwards jeans. I, that was a whole thing for, like, a year <laughs> or two. Yeah, yeah. remember that. So I remember um, buying their first album, Totally Crossed Out, on both cassette and later CD, First CD I ever owned, by the way. It was great. I, I yeah. love that yeah. album. I, I still know all the words. And then, you know, I got into things like the Beastie Boys. And, um, wow. and of course, like in the night, growing up in the 90s, you know, I was in America, but also spent some, some time in Asia as well. But, you know, American music was very popular over there as well. So, you know, the grunge stuff, the alternative rock. Silver Nirvana, Chair. Pearl Jam, Stone Temple Pilots. Um, Silver Chair. Silver Chair, yeah. Silver, I was a big fan of Silver Chair. Weezer was a big one for me. I was really into music. Well, I can we wait ask you about that actually? Like, yeah, I totally understand that trajectory because when I first got into music, it was more like the rap and the R and B stuff that initially caught my eye. But then I got more into like alternative, more heavier rock stuff as things kind of went by. I mean, did that transition? And like some people, like they're into both, and it's not a big deal. But it was kind of a, for a while, not so much now. But uh-huh. it was like you kind of had to like one or the other. You couldn't really just, you know, hop back and forth. Yeah, well, definitely. It was a big divide. You know, obviously in high school and middle school even, like, you know, there are going to be uh, different cl- cliques or, you know, groups where 
only certain things and certain types of, of music are considered acceptable. Um, but I personally was, I've always been kind of a floater. I, I float between social groups. Uh, I, I should say I float among social groups. Um, I like many different genres of music, you know, on any given day, I'm jumping from R and B to, you know, rap to rock to electronic dance. You learn to find what works for you and, and what you truly love and are passionate about and just embrace it, whatever it is, whether it's socially acceptable or not. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like, uh, as people, I feel like we're very complicated and multifaceted. And Yeah, yeah, I think now, like, on Spotify, I mean, I'm, I'm on Spotify all the time. I think it's just the easiest yeah, way to too. get music. I mean, you can hop around and just listen to whatever you want. With CDs, it was so much harder to do that. I, I just uh, did. Did working at VH1 was that kind of easier for you? Because you kind of went into it, just kind of knowing all different types of music. Yeah, I mean, VH1 was a really interesting experience. You know, there was a lot of uh, culture shock um, jumping into that new intern role because I had just moved from Provo, Utah, where I went to school at BYU. Nice. And I was in a completely different city. Um, it was crowded. It was dirty. Um, I was no longer in this bubble of, you know, Mormon men and women who all believe in the same thing and share the same values. I was kind of thrown into this melting pot that was chaotic and, you know, there was never a dull moment. And... I was around a lot of things that scared me. I was around a lot of things that were unfamiliar to me. What scared you? And I just remember like my first day, like waking up in that apartment that we lived in, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. known as, it was known, I believe, as the G Crew, thanks yeah, to uh, yeah. Garrett Hill. Yeah, yeah, um, Hill. I remember, you know, my parents, uh, they drove me in to New York from their home in Newtown, Connecticut. Nice. which was only about an hour and 15 minutes. So it was a quick drive. My parents kindly drove me into the city, dropped me off late one night. Garrett was there to greet me. And, uh, you know, I, I, you know, unpacked my two suitcases and went to bed, bed that night, woke up in the morning and I was just like terrified. Like I was scared to leave. I, I was scared to take the train. I mean, I had been to New York before, but you know, now I was a resident and I was alone and I was just, it was all new and unfamiliar to me. So, but it was fun, you know, like I, I try to jump into it. I, I feel like I go into everything with kind of an open mind. Um, and so I didn't really know what to expect of VH1, but you know, it was an unpaid internship, 10 weeks. Um, I was broke. I had no money. Hence, you know, living uh, way uptown. Yeah. But, um, but you know, I had a passion for music and I wanted to see where it would take me. The role at VH1 was a little bit about music, but more about TV production. So I did, I was basically a production assistant uh, slash secretary for a couple of senior producers that um, produced original music content, spending a lot of my time working on a show called That Metal Show on VH1 Classic. Uh And, you know, I jumped into that and I learned, I realized how much I didn't know about music. Honestly, I thought I knew a lot about music but there was still so much I didn't know. And I just remember going through one of my first tasks there was actually organizing this closet full of tapes, um, you know, recorded material for the different programs. Yeah. And there were interviews with all sorts of artists, you know, poison like, rat, 
Yeah, Def you know, Leppard, like, um, Phil Collins. <laughs> Phil Collins. Um, okay, okay. You know, there was stuff from like seventies, eighties, nineties, and I was just like, you know, in awe of all of it. Honestly, like wow. I couldn't believe what was kind of like sitting before my eyes, and I was having to organize it all. And you know, I would have loved to just sit back and watch everything. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to in that moment. But um, but I guess they were really impressed with my work work ethic and my organization skills. I remember one guy, Jay Moran, was like, you're the best intern we've ever had. Wow. And I'm like, wow, that's such a compliment. Thank you. And so that 10-week internship actually turned into a a full-time gig. Uh, One of my senior producers, uh, Patty DiMaria, probably my most feared manager of all time. Like, I just really was scared of this woman. She (laughs) She was just like, you know... She was Italian. She was from New Jersey. When she would get angry, like her New Jersey accent would just come out. And, you know, she was known to yell and scream and throw things. And she just had a temper. And I was just terrified of this woman. I had never encountered someone like her. But, uh, yeah, she offered me a full-time job, $16 an hour. Um, You know, essentially 40 hours a week. It was hourly. Um, But I did make some overtime, which was nice. And I was essentially a secretary for her. Well, that's better than being an unpaid intern, right? Exactly, yeah. So I did that for two years, which was way longer than I should have, you know, answering phones. Okay, um, but the financial crisis happened, I think, in the middle of that too, right? So maybe that might have kept you there a little bit longer than you thought you would or something. Yeah, yeah, that's actually a great point, definitely. I definitely, you know, in talking to... You know, jobs were hard to come by and people were getting fired left and right. And so I was just happy to have a job. Yeah. And so where did you go after that then? You, I know you worked like some fashion. You did fashion some, some kind of... I did, of, yeah. Right? So after two years of VH1 MTV stuff, I, I quit and worked freelance, continued oh. to work for VH1 on a freelance basic basis. Okay. Did that for another year. And then I was like, you know, after three years of that, I was like, it's decision time. Like... The internet was kind of blowing up. Blogs were becoming a big thing. Um, All the menswear, apps. Yeah, the apps. apps. Like menswear was becoming um, a, a big thing and a buzzword. And I got really into reading these menswear blogs about men's fashion. Uh, oh, yeah. I guess uh, for anyone that's like that's like listening to this, um, Dan has amazing fashion taste I, I don't know where you get it from but uh, oh, i don't know I, I just remember you always very well dressed and you, you were on like operating on a much different level i, I guess in the fashion <laughs> world so anyways yeah thank you i appreciate that so you're getting um, into these like fashion blogs and you're kind of you're tapped into that whole world right and yeah then, and i'm like totally fascinated by it i'm just like um consuming all this material online there were tons like and every day it was like more were coming out and so and then but, that somehow got in, turned into a job somehow or what was yeah exactly what? somebody came in do you got a bounce do you got a bounce no no, no I'm good I'm okay. good, I'm good. Okay. can you can you edit that part out <laughs> yeah, yeah we can edit that out sure <laughs> okay stop edit now boom okay so wait did we get the part where you had the job yet or what no no we didn't so okay. anyways I um I had this um, strong interest in men's fashion and so I um. I started looking around for opportunities. Um, So I started doing like what you, what a lot of people call informational interviews. And I went around and talked to a lot of different people, whether it was by phone or email. 
I decided that I wanted to get into like assistant buying and become a buyer. So buyer, I mean, like, like I guess if we break break that down, I mean, that's basically like you're the guy who's like picking what you think will sell, you know, to like the bigger audience, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, the role can be a little different company to company, but um, the first experience I had with buying was at a company called Ideally. Um, Well, yeah, Ideally. Um, My first job in the fashion world was actually, it was another internship. So after three years of doing TV production, I did an internship with this company called Gill Group, that lasted two months, and from there, I went and got a full-time job with a company called Ideally. It was essentially online retail. Where I was like a MA, like a mer- merchandise uh, production coordinator, MPC, I think they called it. Um, but I was promoted after like 10 or 11 months to assistant buyer. And at that company, my job was essentially to support the senior buyers, go with them out um, into the fashion district to... The, the people at each showroom would kind of show us the line, whether it was a new line or whether it was um, things that didn't sell in like major department stores. It was just kind of like overstock. Um, they would show us their offerings and we would kind of pick and choose what we wanted to buy and sell on our website um, and help, you know, the senior buyers who, in my humble opinion, I felt like they didn't really have much of a fashion sense. They were older, oh. you know. They were, they were, you know, like in their 40s, 50s, 60s, and 60s in some cases. And um, they kind of relied on young people like me and others at the company to kind of help them and guide them with, you know, what was cool and what was not cool, what was trending. So you know, in um, a way, you're kind of like, you know, that food or movie critic who's like just really has very refined tastes. And you like, you know, you'll watch a movie or you like eat a muffin and be like, this muffin is bad. And you like throw it away. <laughs> like, give me another one. You know, these, these cookies yeah. are bad. This movie is horrible. You know, until you find something you like, then you're like, okay, yeah. And you give it like the nod and then it exactly, goes Exactly, yeah. Right? I'm kind of sitting in the background. You know, they look at me and I either nod or shake my head. <laughs> yeah. no, no, not quite. I mean, at that point, my style wasn't that refined. But I could, I could tell them, you know, this silhouette of jacket isn't that cool right now. Like, people aren't really wearing this jacket, yeah. but they are wearing like a bomber's. Like, so get by the bombers. Don't buy these, like, um, trying to think of a good example. Um, not bombers. Yeah, not bombers. Like, <laughs> just stick with the bombers. Stick with the baseball tees. There was all this data that we could look at yeah. to see, you know, yeah, demographics, age, you know, where they're living, geographic stuff. You know, in- yeah. income levels, all kinds of different. Um, yeah. So that went pretty well. I'm taking it. It sounds like you did a pretty well, a pretty good job there. You kind of understood that. You saw yourself fitting pretty well, and then somehow you got into Detroit doing in the same kind of industry. Close, uh, close. Not quite Detroit. Okay, I was in Detroit. Wisconsin. Okay, Wisconsin. Okay. Closer to Chicago. My bad. Um, okay, my bad. <laughs> okay, Wisconsin. Um, How did okay. you get to Wisconsin? It's okay. Everyone. A lot of my friends would make that mistake. They're like, oh, they're calling me from New York. How's Wyoming? I'm like, Wyoming? I'm living in Wisconsin, man. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, if you live on the coast, it doesn't really matter. Nothing in the middle really matters to the people that live on the coast. Okay, I I wasn't quite going that far. I just, for some reason, I had Detroit in my head that you were in Detroit. I I guess that was just something else. I don't know what. But, um, no, yeah. So, so, yeah, I moved to to Madison, Wisconsin to work for Land's End. And um, to kind of clarify what you said, I I decided 
after working at Ideally, that I no longer wanted to work for these small startup companies. I wanted to work for a more established corporation. Um, and I wanted to get more involved with like product development, working with designers who actually designed apparel instead of just at Ideally, we didn't design anything. We just went to showrooms and we picked, picked the things that we liked and then we sold them on our website. So it's kind of um, like a band, you know, you do your first couple like independent albums on independent labels and then you're kind of like, you want the big producer, you don't want to go platinum, you know, you want to get big, you know, you want exactly. The, right? Yeah. I was, I was just chasing dollars, man. <laughs> okay. No, that's not true. I've never done it for the money. I've never really done it for the money. That's okay. one thing you should know about me. Okay. But uh, anyways, <laughs> no, no, I'm, I, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. <laughs> but I moved to Madison, Wisconsin to work for Land's End. I think they offered me like 50... $3,000 a year and I was like sold cool. way more than I was making in New York cost of living was much cheaper I was able to afford my own place it was like $1,100 a month I was like super excited to live on my own without two or three other roommates yeah I felt I felt like an adult you know I got I got a car and long story short it was it was uh, a bit of a roller coaster. Like there were yeah. good days and there were definitely bad days. There were good people there. There were a lot of people that were difficult to work with. Um, and the really tough part about working for Land's End, I found out, was they really struggled with like their identity as like a brand. Like yeah. the CEO, which there was a very high turnover with the people at the uh, chief level, um, including the CEO, and so. Um, CEOs would come and go and every time someone new would fill that seat it was like a new vision a new strategy um, and when I started there we had a CEO that was from Austria and then when I left he was replaced with a CEO who formerly worked for Dolce & Gabbana and was from Italy so yeah I was there for a couple of years and struggled there a little bit I was an assistant merchant had some difficult relationships there and you know i feel i felt like every day strategy changed and i was having to redo the work that i had done like the previous week yeah and it was just just kind of frustrating and so i jumped ship after a couple of years thankfully i was uh, approached by kohl's uh the big department store yeah um, who is located in milwaukee which is about an hour drive from madison uh yeah i thought i thought it was going to be a better role Turns out I also didn't really enjoy my time there either. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, I, I, thought, I thought the story was going to be getting better and better. <laughs> Gosh, man, this is like Star Wars, um, and I'm just like, ooh, it, take yeah, out. Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, and then I thought, you know, maybe it's just Wisconsin. Maybe I'm just I'm not meant. I'm not cut out for this place. You know, it's like small town living. A lot of. Um, you know, close-minded people with. Um, I mean, well, I well, there's. Like, well, well, go ahead, go ahead, say what you're gonna say. Uh, I should. I probably shouldn't say it. I was gonna say small-minded people, uh, but okay. I, I, that's that's just going too far. I, I really shouldn't say that. Um, well, there is one cool but, thing about Wisconsin. I mean, in Madison, at least, um, Butch Vig, who produced uh, "Nevermind" by Nirvana. <laughs> and yeah, he, yeah, yeah. he's in garbage and he produced all the garbage albums i think most of the garbage albums uh were all produced in madison wisconsin oh wow awesome but That's they went out cool. a bit I but did. they closed shop i think like in 2010 or 2012 or something so yeah yeah there are a few bands that are out of uh, milwaukee um um what's the other one um uh, 
Oh, Husk, Husker Shit. do. I mean, there was a bunch like in the '80s that kind of pushed that whole like when Wisconsin and Minnesota had a lot of music coming out of it. Yeah, like, garage. Violent Femmes. Oh, Violent Femmes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, yeah they're huge. Yeah. Um, great, great band. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But uh, anyways, like I, I thought Milwaukee. I was, I, I thought of it as more of a city. Like Madison was like a college town. Yeah. I was, I thought I was upgrading to the big city, but still, even in Milwaukee, I felt like people were kind of close-minded and. If you weren't walking around in a flannel and work boots, you weren't considered you weren't considered cool. And if you didn't drink beer and eat cheese all day, then you just weren't accepted. You know, you were not eating so, cheese all day, Dan. That's surprise. That shocks me more than anything. Yeah, I thought you'd be a guy with just a big hunk of cheese and you just like open it up out of the sack and just take a big bite out of it every ten minutes or something. You know. Yeah, well, no. the funny thing was, shortly before I moved to Wisconsin, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. We oh, don't have crap. to. We don't. We don't have to address that here today. But oh, wow. um, okay. Anyways, like I learned that dairy was actually not very good for me in my diet, so I actually cut out things like cheese from my diet as soon as I moved to Wisconsin, which was a little unfortunate. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, so cheese, and that was that kind of a letdown? Were you in cheese before that? Was that a pretty big... I was. You know, I love okay. cheese. Wow. And, you know, right. I should say that I, I wasn't very strict. I still did have cheese occasionally. Okay. okay. But um, I try to cut out hamburgers um, and things like that during my time in Wisconsin. Um, but, Bummer. you know, long story short, I decided... I don't think I'm cut out for this place. Yeah. I don't get along with the people here. The people here don't seem to care for me very much. I didn't have a lot of close friends. My dating life was terrible there. Was, was Tinder um, not a thing then? Was Tinder not getting... Oh, I got... As soon as I moved to Wisconsin, I I um, downloaded the Tinder app yeah. and started using it. Yeah. And I probably went on like... 300 tinder, tinder dates during oh my, my four years in wisconsin gosh at, at least yeah and Dude, I that's because really your, your profile pics are probably like amazing right you probably get tons of like you know swipes whatever when people accept you right that's the truth that's the secret I, say I got a ton but the thing with me was i went out on a ton of first dates yeah. and they never materialized in the second dates really ever, never with the exception of like you oh. know half a dozen times um, I actually, um, and it was either I didn't like them or they didn't like me. Um, there just wasn't anything we had in common. Um, I, I wasn't like a lot of the men in Wisconsin. Like I was different. I like, yeah. I liked men. I, I liked fashion. I liked, you know, dressing City. nice. City stuff. Um, I was like, you know, I had more of a New York frame of mind. Um, yeah. and I don't know. I just didn't really fit in there. And I, I felt like just wasn't I wasn't meant to be there so yeah after two years in Milwaukee I I had started um during like my last year at, in Milwaukee I started taking these business trips back to what I was saying um I was going out to LA and I started um meeting and dating this wonderful woman out there named Laura Jane oh I totally I, know she worked at US Airways right she did, yeah. Okay, you know yeah, her? yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she she was an analyst there at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I am actually still dating Laura Jane. I live in LA now. Yeah. We're still dating. I met her through Paul Lampson in New York back in like 2009 or 2010. Cool. And um, and yeah, so I'm in LA, living in East Hollywood, um, sitting in a Musicians Institute <laughs> studio. 
uh, weeping, weeping as I'm trying to figure out my life. Well, okay. So, and when was that? When did you move? Last year, sometime that you moved. August. Yeah, I quit uh, my job at Coles in June, and okay, wow. then I relocated first week of August to LA. Found a spot. Uh, I'm paying twelve fifty a month for this tiny little studio apartment. Um, I'm, I'm essentially paying the same amount that I was paying in Milwaukee, but I'm getting a quarter of the, of the <laughs> yeah. size okay. and, um, my cost of living has skyrocketed. Um, but your I'm fun, making, but fun, the level of fun you're having has also skyrocketed. The quality of life has definitely improved dramatically. Yes. Okay. It's great to be closer to Laura Jane. Things are going very well with her. Um, she's perfect in every way. Um, uh, I hope she's listening to this, or she will at some <laughs> okay, point. <laughs> so wait, but what? Are, what are you? You're, you're making music, though, right? You, you're doing music or something. What? What is the? Because I guess that was the one thing you told me you wanted to talk about: going to LA without a plan and not going broke or, or whatever with no job and or with no with no job. I mean, you have a plan, I guess, kind of. But I do have a plan, and I okay. do have a couple of jobs right now. Okay, I'm juggling That's a few, couple different jobs. Okay. Um, I, uh, in order to make ends meet and pay my rent, I'm working a part-time at Trader Joe's. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Um, Discounts. which most people, most people have this, the job that I have when they're like 16 years old in high school. <laughs> but you know, I, I thought it would be better if I did it as a 35 year old and kind of, you know, develop that skill, um, yeah. living in LA where, you know, I can't afford anything. So, you know, I'm working at uh, Trader Joe's. Um, Which one do you work at, in case people want to stop by and say hi? Yeah, so come come see me. I'm on Santa Monica and La Brea in West Hollywood. Okay, yeah, um, cool. cool. I'm the guy in the gray hoodie. Um, okay. Come okay. say hi, I'll, and you, give you, I'll give you a discount. Nice, nice. Okay, and then, so you're doing that, and then, are you, are you doing music also? Are you doing some, you're doing music as well? Are you considering... I am considering it kind of, as I stated first thing, like I'm okay. still trying to decide if it's something worth pursuing or if it's just a pipe dream. And if it's something that, uh, that I should just, you know, do as a hobby. Well, I know you, uh, you do sing a some, right? You've always kind of had some, done some singing, right? Do you do other instruments uh, as well? A little bit, I, a little might bit. be a little bit of a stretch. Uh, okay. I can sing. I don't do much of it, but, um, Mainly, I, I play the drums, and okay. that's what that's what I'm trying to um, improve um, is my drum performance skills. Um, and I I'm in a band now. Um, the what band you... is called Dominion. Dominion. We play we play new wave, dark wave, gloom rock type stuff like really? the Cure, the Cults, and a lot of originals. Okay. Um, nice. All all the guys in the band are Asian, except me. Um, okay. I, I believe I believe they're Filipino. I could be wrong. Um, I haven't asked. Okay. But, um, <laughs> okay. but yeah, I've been in the band for uh, a month or two now, and we have our first show at the Rainbow Bar and Grill on January nineteenth. Hey, um, cool. so I just wanted to plug that. If you're in the area, free show. Come check us out. Um, we're playing there um, on their very small stage. It's a free show, and it'll be my first show with them. So we'll see how, how it goes. Got a lot of work to do before then. Nice. Well, I hope that goes well, man. Um, Thank you. You know, one big thing, um, are, are people going to be able to live stream that show? Are you guys going to do any live streaming of that show? You know, we haven't discussed that yet, but that's definitely something we could do. Um, I don't know if it's worth it. 
Yeah. I'm expecting like six people to show up, honestly. Okay. Um, but, um, okay. Well, uh, well, maybe you could have one of your people like do like a periscope or some kind of thing where like other people from like, you know, your fans from all over the country, all over the world, they can like, you know, watch the show uh, before. Or after. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll do a live stream of a couple songs. Um, just to give everyone out there a taste. Yeah. Or, or in um, case if you do think the show might suck, then yeah, you probably want to be selective. And you know, is your first yeah, jam? Sure. Yeah, maybe like the first shows. You know, you gotta like get all the kinks out. The um, yeah, yeah. So maybe we'll wait to the second show for that. I don't want to embarrass myself. <laughs> this guy that I um podcast did a podcast with, um, my buddy Jerry Fenn. <clears throat> he lives uh-huh. in the L.A. area. Uh, I did a podcast about a year ago with him, um, and he's been playing shows, like doing venues for about a year or two, and he does the piano. But he recently just got a gig where he he will live stream on an app called UpLive, and and he has a show, like a daily show, and the app pays him for that. And then, are you serious? Yeah, so it's like a daily gig. You know, it's like two hours a day. He does his piano, does his guitar. They pay him like a, a regular fee, and then if he gets more viewers... Or if people like donate him money, they have this system where people can kind of like give you presents and stuff. Um, you can. Uh, Holy cow! Yeah, that it, is genius. I think I've just found my life calling during this podcast. <laughs> it's all finally coming together. This is it. This is what I'm meant to do. You, you, I, I would recommend at least looking into that. I mean, it's, it's a Chinese app, and so they have a lot of Asian listeners. So if you guys are an oh, Asian okay. band, you guys might that might kind of tap yeah. into some of that. Okay. So I don't know. Well, that's something. What's the name of the app again? So the app is called Up Live. Up Live. All right, I'm gonna check that out. I I saw some recent pictures of you. You got really when I knew you, you had like very short hair. Um, yes. You have very long hair now. When did that start? Oh man, when did that start? I think I made the decision in August or September. It was fall of 2015, I believe. Right. Um, and I don't know. It was it was really kind of a funny story. Like I was literally walking to my barber in Madison, Wisconsin. Yeah. This is back when I lived in Madison. Yeah. And for I've always kind of been obsessed with hair. Um, it's kind of embarrassing to admit, and <laughs> I, I hesitate to mention this, but I, I've always like really enjoyed um, hair for some reason. It's kind of a, it's kind of an odd thing, but like for example, when I was a kid, I became obsessed with um, with like child actors that had like amazing hair. Oh really? <laughs> Who would be so someone like, that had amazing hair? Like Macaulay Culkin? Was he kind of? Uh, no, no, he, no. His hair was tra- his, his hair was garbage. That's um, bad hair. Okay, what's what's he good had hair? Kind of a weird cowlick. Um, okay. <laughs> so like, think Leonardo DiCaprio in Growing Pains. Oh okay. Like, oh, okay. 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 His hair was like all time. It was amazing. All right. Um, not so much anymore, but back then it was just like, wow, he had this amazing bowl cut. And then like, I used to, I used to really enjoy the, the show boy meets world. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, Sean Hunter, uh, played by Ryder strong again, like really cool hair. Um, I wrote him like a, a, a letter one time, like fan mail. And I told him I was a huge fan and like, I told him I loved his hair. No way. Really weird. I was a really strange kid. Did you, wait, but anyways, did you hear like, back from him? Did you, did you, did you respond? He, said, he actually sent me a postcard back with uh, signs, with his autograph. Nice. I, I still have it to this day. So wait, um, that was when you were in high school, right? Or, or middle school or something? No, 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 no. That was, I was probably like 10, 11 years old when I sent him that fan mail. 
living in Connecticut. I had no friends, so I was just like grasping for something, you know. Like, yeah. and, and at that point, it was like Teeny Bopper magazines. Yeah, was like what I consumed at that point in my life. Um, well, well, but like people responded to like letters back then. I mean, I, I remember I wrote to bands. Did, yeah. I wrote to people or bands or something like that sometimes, um, and and they would respond. Some usually not not always, awesome. but yeah, it was like it was awesome. Yeah, like I remember, like I would buy these teeny bopper magazines at the grocery store, and you could literally find addresses to all like your childhood idols in like the the pages of those magazines like oh. in the index or whatever like back of the magazine they'd have the addresses and you could you know jot down those addresses and send fan mail to any of your any of those childhood stars those kid stars oh. hollywood stars or whatever um so anyways back to what we were originally talking about so <laughs> because of that i kind of got into you know experimenting with my hairstyles yeah. and i've done a lot of different things if you if you go through my Facebook pictures, like you'll see that I've had a lot of weird, strange hairstyles from moment. but I was walking to my barber in Madison, Wisconsin, yeah. dawned on, on me at that moment, walking into the barber, that I wanted to grow my hair long. And so I, I had him give me a little trim, but I'm like, hey buddy, I'm just gonna start letting my hair grow now. So if you could cut it in a way that will help facilitate that and make it look less awkward, that'd be great. This is, you know, almost uh, two and a half years later now. Um, yeah. My hair is very long, and I haven't cut it in six months at least. Really? Um, so I'm definitely in need of a trim, but um, but uh, there are a lot of people that love it, and there are a lot of people that hate it. And um, it's kind of polarizing, this long hair of mine. People are either like, ugh. What does your you girlfriend cut think? That. She actually likes it. She likes it a lot. Well, hey, and that's, that's probably a big reason I'm keeping it. Yeah. Uh, I've kept it for so long, but um, but you know, my family, uh, my parents hate it. They continually tell me to cut it. Uh, people yeah. see me for the first, you know, sometimes people see me um, and they haven't seen me for a year, or two years, and they're just like totally shocked, and they think it's they think it's disgusting. Wow! And, wow! <laughs> wow! Yeah. Well, you can't please everyone, you know. You just gotta. Exactly. You gotta do exactly. It, I'm just, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to be true to myself, man. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of my motto for um, the last couple of years. I'm just trying to find myself, um, as, as you know, cliche as that sounds. Yeah. Just trying to fig- figure it out. Awesome. I think you're getting close. And uh, we didn't get a lot into the um, <clears throat> broken relationship stuff. I think that you said you want to talk about. So maybe we'll have to save that for another day. So. Oh, did I mention broken relationships? <laughs> Yeah, like when the the message you sent me a while ago, um, you said, "Yeah, we can talk about going to L.A. We can talk about broken relationships and all." Oh yeah, I think uh, I think Laura Jane and I had just broken up or something, and um, oh, I was. (laughs) But hey, we're back together. Okay, things are good. All right, things are great. We will not talk about that then. (laughs) Yeah, so no, no broken relationships need to be discussed unless you want to go through the rest of my dating history, which I don't feel comfortable doing that, honestly. (laughs) Well, it sounds like we could do a whole show on the 300 Tinder dates that you did in Wisconsin. Oh yeah. Yeah. We'll save that. Um, Hey Dan, it's really good talking to you, man. Good to hear your voice. Great talking uh, to you too. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks again for allowing me to come on here. It's, it's been an honor. All right, everyone. Uh, thanks for listening. I hope you had a good time. If you like the show, share it on social media, get the word out. 
I'm happy to do these interviews. They're a lot of fun for me. And uh, the music provided, the intro and outro music, that was provided by Jerry Fenn, another guy who also performs uh, music. So take care. <laughs>